Welcome to the Retail Oasis Retail Wrap-Up Podcast. Before we jump into it, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land upon which this was recorded, the Gaia Margul people of the Eora Nation. We acknowledge the Elders past, present and future. In today's episode, we talk to Wayne Baskin, the Deputy CEO and Chief Technology Officer at Australia's largest online bookstore, Booktopia. During this podcast, you'll hear Wayne discuss the importance of putting the customer first, finding your niche and owning it, as well as a really interesting look into the book categories that took off during COVID. Wayne also talks about the recent news of Booktopia's successful IPO journey, plus his predictions for the upcoming holiday period, including Black Friday, Cyber Monday events. A big thank you to Wayne for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this conversation. Okay, so... For anyone, there'll be a lot of people that are listening that live in Australia that uh, have used Booktopia, but for anyone that's overseas or has for some way, shape or form not heard of Booktopia, can you just please give a brief description of your business, its creation and kind of the formation story? Yeah, sure. So, um, look, I love hearing that people haven't heard of Booktopia because it really means there's potential out there to grow even further. So. You know, I'd, I'd hate to be at a point right now where everyone had heard of it. So this is great to get it out there. Uh, Booktopia, an online bookstore. We're Australia's largest online bookstore. We're coming close to being Australia's largest bookstore. I'm not sure if we're there yet. We're very close. Um, started in 2004 um, by a couple of brothers and, and their brother-in-law. Um, I wasn't one of the founders, but I joined pretty shortly after that. So I've been here for 12 years. I'm nearly 13, I think. Um, and we started sell books, ebooks, audiobooks, uh, we do audio streaming. Um, we do do some DVDs, believe it or not, people still buy DVDs, uh, <laughs> calendars, diaries, journals, anything that's, you know, close to a book. We're pretty very focused on that book sector. Um, through our journey, we've learned that you need to be focused. You need to, you know, stay in your lane um, and be good at something, you know, so that everyone looks at you and goes, they're the book people. And that's what's really served us well um, throughout our journey. If you play online, um, we also own Angus and Robertson. Uh, we bought them in 2005, and we recently acquired the Co-op book, Bookstore as well, which was the the on-campus university textbook that we probably all all know and used to love, but unfortunately um, just couldn't continue in its current state, and we've just kept it online. So that's who Booktopia is in a in a nutshell. Yeah, and it's like the name says it all, doesn't it? Talk about being focused. It's also yeah. like the name that you pick. <laughs> so exactly. Obviously, you know, COVID hit Australia at the beginning of 2020 and, um, and news of the shutdown came through. And this is a question we've asked a couple of the guests. And it's just to take us back to, I think it was March or April this year. <laughs> it's kind of crazy to think that it's only, like it's only been that long. Um, and what it was like from your perspective, what was your initial reaction to the shutdown, to what was happening within the country and, and globally? Yeah, look, I think our, first and foremost, we looked at our staff and looked at our customers. And that was, you know, how we continue to operate? Is it going to be safe to operate? Um, can we keep the staff here? Should they be at home? Obviously, we've got a big distribution center. We've got a, a distribution center, 13,000 square meters. Uh, at any one time, it can have up to around 100 people to 150 people in it on a shift. Um, and so we did need to think about what does that mean? What does that mean for our staff? So. First and foremost, we got that out of the way. You know, I think everyone in our, in our team appreciated 
we weren't first. We didn't send everyone home straight away. We were really careful and considered in what we did. Um, but I think the team really appreciated what we did there. Um, and then we just started looking, well, what's going to happen with sales? What's going to happen in retail? What's going to happen in online retail? And, you know, it was immediate. We just saw sales, you know, start, you know, spiking. Um, and it kind of made sense. People are at home or they're locked down or, you know, whatever it is. And they needed to get books for themselves or, or their families. Um, so it was kind of a journey. And you know, as you say, it feels like April, March you know, this year was really three years ago. Um, my distribution team keep reminding me that we've been at peak level since October last year, since Christmas last year. We actually haven't stopped. We go through Christmas, and then we go through education and tertiary and academic, and then just when we're about to relax, you know, comes into to April and March. So it's been a very interesting journey for us. And I suppose on top of it all, we've had an automation project that kicked off in January. So we we put um, an additional twelve million dollars of automation into our distribution center. And it was launched in January with the hope to have it ready for Christmas. The problem was, as we all know, Christmas came in April and March, and we were then building around Christmas. So we had this peak happening. All this automation is being built. We're wishing, we're all looking at it, wishing it was active so that we could use it. Um, so it's been a very interesting year for, for me and for the team um, to, to navigate all of that. Oh, gosh, yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. And I think it's one of those things as well, isn't it? It's like... Hindsight's twenty twenty, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go, yeah. <laughs> um, and and kind of those projects that I think a lot of businesses were looking at in terms of supply chain automation, um, and the back end of the business, realizing now just how important that is given the the volume that's going through online at the moment. Yeah. So it's, I suppose um, we've been yeah we've been very lucky or we've been you know it's probably not luck it's what we've done <laughs> is that we've always focused on the back end we've always focused on the efficiencies. And there was no automation and we were way too big for it. Um, and now, you know, it's all coming to fruition that everyone's like, oh, hold on. You need to make sure you're efficient in the back end and you, you can do the distribution. And we're like, yeah, well, that's what we've been building for for the last probably, you know, 12, 12 years. So um, yeah, I suppose it's fortuitous that we yes. are where we are. Yeah, very lucky. Um, and in terms of the actual business and the categories that you operate within, did you see any interesting patterns around what categories really blossomed and maybe what didn't do as well as it normally would because of how the customer was changing their behavior? Yeah, sure. So we always say books, you know, give a lot of insight into people. We have the best data set we believe in the country, um, you know, over 3000 categories, 6 million products, you know, we can really tell what the customers are thinking and what they're into. So, you know, COVID for us, we thought, yep, let's get the data team in there. Let's go and understand what's happening. So um, we know a lot about this. The first two weeks, kids' books. You know, all the parents are like, my kids are home from school. You know, I've got to keep them entertained. I've got to, you know, really, you know, get them you know, busy. You know, I need to work from home. So let me, colouring in books, kids' books, activity books, and then some fiction books for the adults. You know, they were also thinking, what am I going to do with my time? So fiction books. But then as it wore on, probably two weeks later, we started to see, um, some more non-fiction books start coming into the mix and people are like, well, if I'm going to be at home for this period of time, I might as well use my time. And so they started thinking, well, how can I, what can I do? So we saw cooking books take off. We saw learning languages. We saw, you know, adult coloring in books came back for some reason again around this period of time. Um, so really people started to think, well, what can I do for myself? Um, and, you know, how can I, how can I spend the time? And then we then looked two months later. So two months into lockdown, where were we at? 
Um, cooking books were still going, you know, strong, really comfort foods. You know, if we really want to dig down to the detail. But people also started saying, well, hold on, I'm eating too much. And we saw fitness books and diet books start coming to the fore. So people were like, well, you know, I feel like I've got the COVID stomach or whatever it might be. And so I'm going to now go exercise and do what I need to do. And we saw some pregnancy books and baby books start to take hold. Um, house, ma- house and maintenance uh, was another interesting one. People started, you know, you spend so much time in your house looking around saying, oh, I should really fix that. I should really do this. So we saw some of that happen. Um, and then interesting, as it's gone on and through the pandemic, we started seeing coffee table books take off. And everyone's like, well, why coffee table books? And I'm, I'm probably the perfect example because if you look behind me, it's quite boring. Um, and, you know, people have just gone and bought coffee table books, you know, Chanel, Gucci, Louis Vuitton, or you know, whatever their interests are. And they've just put them in their bookshelf behind them. And then, you know, you've got a great Zoom background. So um, I've tried to make my Zoom background a little more interesting. But uh, for those you can't see if it's a podcast, I get it. <laughs> yeah. It's um, what people have gone and done. And so that's just been so interesting to watch that. And then, you know, as we've come out of lockdown, we haven't seen people stop buying online, which has been really interesting for us. It's like, we formed these habits, you know, it's taken, it wasn't, we weren't in lockdown for a week. We weren't in lockdown for two weeks. You know, it's been months. And so people have had to come back and buy online again. And so we've seen people who never shopped with us before and now become regular shoppers, which has been very interesting to see. Yeah, that's really interesting. So I know Australia Post published something recently about the amount of people during lockdown that actually you, first of all, shopped online for the first time, but also shopped online with a retailer they'd never shopped with before. Yeah. So it does feel like it's like this transition to online that we've been watching for so long, really being given um, a bit of a kick and yeah. kind of now entering a world where it's, I think it'd be kind of like it is normal. It's like yeah. way more normal. The studies we've seen um, say in Australia, we're about one and a half to two years in the future. So if COVID had never happened where we are today, we're actually two years, you know, one and a half to two years in the future. Mm. When the studies they were saying four years, four years, sorry. So, you know, that's, that's interesting. I think that's, that's pretty big to say four years, but you know, it seems right to me, you know, I think we're like, you know, getting to the stages where we should be in a year to two years time. And I think it's just going to go on. I don't think it's going to, it's going to stop. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I guess it kind of leads me nicely into asking you about Amazon. So obviously we know that Amazon came into the Australian market in December of 2017 um, was that an unnerving time for you guys or do you feel like you were prepared or do you think there was just all this hype surrounding it that was didn't need to be there like you guys were good to go? Yeah, look, there was a lot of hype surrounding it. I think the thing that worked against Amazon was that there was so much hype and media about it. So I think there was a lot of retailers um, who weren't ready for Amazon. Um, you know, I'll talk about our journey in a minute, but I think there were a lot of retailers that weren't ready. And the whole idea that it was in the newspaper from around late 2015, I think it was already being spoken about. Everyone started thinking, well, what does that mean for me? You know, even some of the big, big retailers got on and started building marketplaces. And, you know, you can see where some of those guys went. And I think if Amazon had launched by sell and just dropped here, a lot of those retailers would have been, you know, in a bit of shock and, you know, scrambling and they may not have been as, as uh, in such a good place where they are today. From our journey, you know, it didn't, we didn't panic. We've never looked at our competitors in that way. We've always said, what do we need? What do our customers want? We've always put our customers at that center. And so for us, it was, we made a, sm- a few small tweaks. Um, we, we looked around the world and said, well, what do, you know, what do businesses that are flourishing in an Amazon environment do well? 
And for us, it was they focus on their niche. Now we were starting to look at other things. We were starting to look at, you know, DVDs in a bigger way and maybe launch a, a movie website or we were looking at, you know, should we do toys and, and a few other categories? And we said, you know what, if we can focus on books and if we can be the book people in Australia, then, you know, we will take Amazon on just like, you know, it's happening in Canada and some of the other countries around the world. And, you know, that's exactly how it's been. Amazon have come and they really haven't focused on books. Yeah, they sell books, but it's, you know, and it was their original, you know, where they came from. But I think they look more, more looking at consumer electronics and household goods. And, you know, they're looking to pharmacy now, apparently, and they're looking at, you know, food and all of those kind of things. So, you know, they're just trying to lock in customers and books is a very hard category to play in it's a lot of SKUs and it's a lot you know in a lot of distribution space which you know for us you know we've always you know built ourselves for so we really haven't felt Amazon all that much um, yeah they they do a lot of marketing and they spend a lot of marketing and you definitely feel that but if you just wait you know it's going to go away and, and then um, just keep doing what you're doing mm. which is interesting like just to pick up on a bit of what you were talking about that focusing on your niche but also, can you talk to us about customer experience with Booktopia? Like, are there certain areas that you're particularly focused on um, with how the customer shops you? Yeah, sure. So customer experience is, as I said before, it's the, one of our keys. It's one of our you know, core values is, you know, is customer obsession is what we call it. Um, and it's all about for us, how quickly can we service that customer with the products they want? So. That means holding stock. So we, we, there's 6 million products on our website. We've got about 150 to 160,000 of those products, of those SKUs in stock, ready to ship. And that's one of the big differences between us and you know the other overseas uh, suppliers or maybe a lot of the ones in Australia is that we hold the stock um, and we can ship it to our customers next day, same day, um, you know, two business days. It all depends on your know, time of year and, and how quickly we get it to our customer. We know if we can get it to our customer quickly, you know, that's what our customer wants. They don't need it same day. It's not a dress that they're about to wear out that night, but they do want it, you know, as quick as they can. Price is important to the customer and we are there or thereabouts on the price, but we know convenience and speed of delivery um, is, is, is just that much more important. We also like to keep our customers updated. You know, I often get told by our customers, you tell me too much. You, you tell me too frequently when my products are coming. And I'm like, well, you, you'd complain if I didn't. So, you know, <laughs> you'll, you'll never, you'll never, um, You'll never you know, appease every customer, um, but we like to just keep our customers informed. And you know, we don't always get it right, and we're we're aware of that. And one of my one of our other core values is learning from our mistakes. So you must learn from your mistakes. And one of those learnings is when you don't get it right, tell the customer as soon as possible. Don't try hide it. Don't try you know sweep it under the covers. You know, really own up to it. Explain to them what's gone on. You, you know, sometimes give them something. You know, as compensation, but explanation of why things have happened. Um, so for us, it's, you can hear everything's about the customer. Our reason for our distribution center is our customer. The reason for our automation is our customer because it's all about that you know, speed of delivery and being able to stock all those products. Mm -hmm. In relation to automation, I read on LinkedIn last week that you guys are trialing warehouse robots. Like, could you tell yeah. us more about that? Yeah, it's, it's exciting for people to read. For me, it's like... It's, <laughs> It's a lot of work, <laughs> so, oh, yes. it's a lot of stress. So we've just finished our first, you know, our automation on our first, our, probably our second or our third phase of automation, which is what I spoke about before, automated packing machines and whole more conveyor and, and sorting machines and all that. And that, that all focuses on the outbound. That's all about how can we get the products packed and 
out of the distribution center and sorted as quickly as possible. And this is all about the inbound. This is all about the picking. So, um, so products come in and they've got to get onto shelves before they can be picked. So how can we get them most efficiently onto the shelves? And then once they're on the shelves, how can we get them most efficiently off the shelves? Um, so we can, you know, increase our capacity, our outbound capacity. And so we looked around the world and, you know, we looked for something that would fit you know, our distribution center. We didn't want to go and, you know, clear the floor and, and have to start again. Um, that's, that's a big task to do. And we found these robots, which can, they can reach up around five meters high and they can carry some pretty heavy tubs, which is what our, all our products are in. Um, so the key for us was being able to store more product. We spoke about that before. There's a stat we've got, which is we know if we stock a product, we're four times as like, we've got, so we'll sell four times as many copies of that product as it, and then if we don't stock it. So you know, that's that convenience factor. And we've AB tested that on our website. Um, so for us, we want to go from, we can currently hold around 800,000 units. We want to take that up to around 1.8 million units. So that's what our, you know, our modeling has shown. So really, um, the robots are going to allow us to hold more stock, but also they're going to allow us to pick and put away a lot more efficiently and uh, increase that uh, capacity of our distribution center. Sure. So do you see more parts of that DC becoming automated? Like, I'm sure that there are obviously a lot of people that work in there currently, but I mean, yeah. let's think future, like I automatically think of like, you know, like robots, like, you know, Will Smith walking in. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I, I think, you know, we automation is important, but our people are, are probably more important to us. I think they, they do a lot of tasks that robots just can't replace. You know, it's important also to, to support, you know, the team, the team in Australia. Um, and so, you know, the, and, and, and provide employment for Australians. And so that's, you know, what we're doing and where it makes sense, we will put some automation in place, but I don't see a world where, you know, we've just got a dark shed and it's all automated. So interesting. Yeah. I think the same thing. I think there's, you know, there's got to be an element of human in there because it's about the customer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And look, I think some of the, some of the things that our customer, that our staff do, you know, that you wouldn't think about is like we're doing gift wrapping at the moment for Christmas and they'll choose different wrapping based on, you know, they'll look at the name of the person it's going to and a few things like that and they'll choose different wrapping. So, you know, you know we've, we've tried automated wrapping machines and we've got so many complaints about it, just the quality <laughs> and everything like that. So there's a lot of things and now I know now someone's going to hear this podcast and I'm going to get 17 LinkedIn messages by <laughs> automated packing machine companies. I did that once with handwritten notes and all of a sudden all these all these people jumped out of the woods telling me that there's amazing handwritten note, you know, automation tools and all the rest. So here we go. <laughs> anyway, I think, I think to employ Australians is very important. We're Australia's bookstore and I think that's an important thing to do. Yeah. And exactly that. Like, I think that personalized touch, I know I've used, um, I'll put out there like Amazon when you can have a, you can do like the greeting, but it just comes as like a little receipt. It's almost like there's no point yeah. in even doing the greeting, to be honest, there's no personal element to it. So I think that hand touch, that human thing is really important in and amongst everything. Yeah. So the next thing I want to touch on, which of course is in the news every time I have a look is about um, you guys trying again to IPO, which I believe is like the cutoff date is coming out really soon. Can you tell us a little yeah. bit about it? Sure. So yeah, we can take the word trying out now. I think we finally got it over the line. Um, so yeah, it's uh, the cutoff date I think is tomorrow. Um, so by the time people re listen to this podcast, it's probably done and dusted. Um, but yeah, we, it's been exciting. It's been a long journey for us. 2006, I think is when we, sorry, 2016 is when we last tried. Um, 
And for us, that was, you know, we, it was a long journey. It was, you know, the first time doing it, of learnings, a lot of learning from our mistakes and a lot of, um, but, you know, w- what we learned there and all the work we did there was, you know, helped us a lot this time around. Um, we didn't have to start from scratch. We knew the process. We knew what we were going into, you know, all the nerves. It was a good, it was a good trial run, as, as we say. It was very disappointing when it didn't get over the line. And um, the reasons for it not going over the line were, were nothing to do with our business. So we were fine with that. It was, it was all about Amazon's arrival. That was, you know, bang on, you know, as we were about to go, Amazon officially announced that they were arriving. And a lot of the investors thought, oh, Amazon's going to, you know, crush this online retail industry in Australia, which, you know, we knew they weren't. Um, so for us, it's been it's been a long journey. It's been you know four or five year journey, getting there, and we finally managed to do it. And it's it's important for us. It allows Australians. We're Australia's bookstore, so it allows Australians to have ownership um, in where they shop and in their bookstore. And it's also going to allow us to invest more in these robots that you that you're speaking about and to hold more stock. You know, to be able to put more stock on our shelves so that we can ship to our customers a lot faster. That's very exciting. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Um, there's obviously another big event coming up, <laughs> which is um, Black Friday, Cyber Monday. And keen to know, what are you thinking in terms of prediction? What do you see happening this year, given that it's been a kind of record year for online anyway? Do you think that that will continue to increase? Um, uh, do you see the customer doing their Christmas shopping earlier? Like, what are you kind of you're thinking on this uh, key retail online date? Yeah, I'm a bit nervous to give predictions now because we're a week away and this podcast is probably going to be listened to after Black, Black Friday. So no, it's all right. I'll be brave. I'll give it a go. Um, so, yeah, we have seen, look, we saw we saw the COVID shopping um, and then probably two weeks ago, we saw customers slow down a little bit. And I think that was in preparation for sales. I think, you know, everyone asks me the question, what do I think? And then I ask them, what have you been doing? And they go, oh, I've got a list that's this long. And you know, I'm just waiting for all the sales to drop. So I think people are, when you get this close to a sale people, period, people think to themselves, well, why don't I just wait and see what is on sale? And then if what I wanted to buy is not on sale, I'll still buy it anyway. But if it is on sale, then I'm not kicking myself that I've already bought it. So that's where I think it's heading. Um, we have seen sales pick up. Uh, definitely, you know, click frenzy, you know, happened and they were all, everyone had their own frenzy, whatever you wanted to call your frenzy, you called it. And so we saw sales pick up over the frenzy period. And then I think everyone's going to start launching their Black Friday sales and Cyber Monday sales a week early, which is today. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm waiting for a barrage of EDMs to come out today and be told that everyone started their Black Friday week or their Cyber Monday week or whatever they're going to call it. Um, and I think it's just going to run the week and I don't think it's going to run the weekend. And, and I think it's probably better that way. I think for Australia Post in particular, they'd prefer it to be spread out than mm-hmm. rather you know, a Friday and a Monday and then it's all over because then they're going to be really stacked. So um, it's going to be a busy week for us and we're predicting quite a busy week, definitely up on last year um, and, you know, def- I think up on COVID peak as well. So I think it's going to be going to be an interesting week slash weekend and then into next week for the distribution centre shipping out all those parcels. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't put numbers to it because I've got no idea, no one has any idea. And you'd be way too brave if you're going to call the percentage here and here. Yeah. And you would 100%. You'd probably be wrong. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the same with any Thanks. number. Any, any, no, but I mean, you know what I mean? It's like 
I think we always joke no, whenever we do forecast work, particularly financial and numbers forecast, you can guarantee whatever you put down won't be the number. So, yeah. yeah. So our final question, and it's one that we've asked everyone, is really around, it's more a personal question. It's really around like what piece of advice do you have for other retailers um, that has really served you well in life? And I know it's a big question and often when we ask this, the normal response is like, oh, there's a lot of pressure or I need to think about this for a second. Um, but, you know, like something that has come back to you again and again that you think is worthwhile other people considering. Yeah, sure. I think I could take this in two different ways. I could take it for business. And I think we've touched on two of the key things that I've always said and focused on, or three, I should say, the key. And um, the first is the customer. Put the customer first in everything you do. And it's the hardest thing you'll ever do in your business. And people are like, why is that? Well, when you're sitting in a board meeting and you're talking about the PL and you're talking about the profit lines, but then you're talking about an initiative that is better for the customer. Yeah. So, so where, what, what comes first, you know, so you, it's, it's some tough decisions that need to be made. It's easy to say, we always put the customer first, but really when it comes down to it, do most businesses do it or do they, you know, put the profit line first? So that's one thing, you know, and we at Booktopia, you know, try in every case, put the customer first, you know, wherever we can, um, we try and put the customer first. The second thing would be focus, you know, don't try do everything. Everyone comes to us and goes, what's next? What are you going to sell next? We're like, well, we haven't even, we haven't even captured the whole marketing book. So why would we be jumping at next, you know, at the next thing? And we've seen some of our competitors who were four or five years ago, you know, nipping at our heels or, you know, we were nipping at their heels and then they decided to go do workwear or babywear and all these other, you know, products and try to be Amazon. Um, and just you could see where you know they've gone wrong so um, that's it and and third I would say is learn from your mistakes um, it's one thing you know when I when, when my staff or I make a make a make a mistake um, we don't we don't say oh that's bad and you, know, you have a warning or anything like that it's, it's it's all about well what can we learn from this uh, how can we you know how can we you know how can we cover but how can we learn from it um, because you can make one mistake and I'm fine with that. But if you make the same mistake, that's when you've got the problem because it shows you haven't learned. So th those are the three things, I suppose, you know, starts at the business, but then goes down to a more personal state, which is that, that learning from mistakes and building, you know, on what you've done. Um, and, and, you know, I'm not a big one to say celebrate the mistakes. I think there's some businesses out there that say celebrate the mistake because then that encourages them. You know, they're not great. I'm more about, you know, celebrate the learnings from the mistakes and, and don't ever do them again. Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah, and it is interesting because I think maybe a couple of years ago there was definitely that frenzy on the back of kind of Silicon Valley culture of celebrating mistakes that kind of got taken to an extreme where it's actually not even about that. Like exactly what you said, it's what was the learning so that you don't repeat it and then go from mm. there. Yeah, I think that's a great, a great nuanced like um, answer or understanding of what that's really about. Well, thank you so much for your time this morning. It's been a pleasure to chat. If you enjoyed the chat, we'd love you to rate and review it. Plus, remember to subscribe and you'll be automatically notified when the next episode airs. If you'd like to learn more about Retail Oasis, please head to retailoasis.com or find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and TikTok. Yes, we're there too. See you next time. <laughs>